Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith podcast with Michael Lane. If you're enjoying our content and would like to help us keep making more episodes on this podcast, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. And while you're on the website, make sure to check out some of the other things we got going on, like our specialty programs. We've got one in marine biology, which is an entire marine biology course down in the Florida Keys. And it's great for students ages 14 and up. We also have our biblical archaeology tour in Israel with archaeologists Dr. Stephen Notley. That's coming up very, very soon. So make sure to check those out. And we also have our bookings calendar open. So if you're looking for a speaker to come speak at your event, church, group, school, whatever it may be, make sure to get in your request in right away. And finally, if you have enjoyed a particular series on this podcast, or you want to go back and look at a particular episode, our courses page has every single series we've ever done on the podcast nicely organized in its own course page. And sometimes there's a few extra little downloads and things you can use if you want to go back and study a particular series or share it with a friend or a family. All these links are going to be down in the description if you want to refer back to them after you're done listening to today's episode. And with that, thanks for being here and I'll let Michael take it away. Hi, welcome to Evidence for Faith. This is a special Christmas rendition I'm doing, and we'll be going through a lesson that's called The Scribe Who Missed Christmas. And you might be wondering, never heard of this person before. Well, before we actually get into the lesson, um, and this one's going to be a little different tonight as we go into this lesson, I, I want you to think for a moment, have you ever come across a time in your life where you almost missed Christmas? I mean, something happened, or maybe you weren't in a festive move, or maybe there was some type of disaster that befell you um, in the month of December that just didn't make it feel like Christmas. I mean, I've had situations where I've had some major surgeries um, and almost missed Christmas was Christmas with my family due to a neck surgery back many decades ago. But um, I can understand this because I almost missed Christmas on another occasion, too. When I was back in college, I had a really strange thing. Um, uh, final exams were over for the first semester. My dad was supposed to come. I think it was a Saturday morning or something, and he was supposed to come and drive down to the college. I only lived 30, 30 miles from the col uh, from my home, and he was going to drive down and pick me up and, and bring me home. Well, I waited around and packed things up and everything and waited and waited and waited and he never showed. Now, this is before the the age of cell phones. You must understand that. Um, I couldn't call him directly outside of just calling the house, which I did numerous times and the phone just rang. I never got any response, never knew what in the world was going on. And as the hours went upon hours, everybody else in my dorm was leaving. They were gone. Um, there was only one or two other friends of mine still in the dorm where I was staying when finally, and it was late, late in the afternoon, um, I got a call and they said the reason my dad hadn't come to pick me up is because he had a heart attack and yeah, um, he was in the hospital. Well, he stayed in the hospital throughout the Christmas, um, holiday time. And I'll tell you, it was a, a Christmas that was just so strange because 
Um, he wasn't there. My brother um, wasn't there. He was living in the Bahamas, and so he wasn't home. Um, it was just an awkward time, and um, I just could not, even though we had the tree up in our house and we had decorations, just could not get into the Christmas spirit with my dad in a perilous condition in the hospital. And so it was It was a difficult time, and I almost missed Christmas. Matter of fact, Christmas Day came, and it was sort of a downer. Um, very depressing I was, uh, or I, I was that day. I got very depressed, and I think all of us were really struggling through that, that we almost missed Christmas. I don't know what's going on in your life. Um, some people have losses. They've lost family members. Um or they got some family member who's in the hospital or ill. Maybe they're away from home for the first time. Whatever. I don't know. But I'm going to encourage you not to miss Christmas. And in this lesson, we're going to listen to someone tell his story who totally, totally missed Christmas. He had been looking forward to the Christmas celebration, but... Um, he totally neglected it. And uh, I mean, it's a true story but uh, of what happened, the event, but we're going to hear it from a dramatic portrayal of his, um, his telling of it. And so if you'll just bear with and go through this, we're going to be talking about the scribe who missed Christmas. The scribe who missed Christmas. So sit back. If you got a fireplace, throw another log on there and sit back and just listen, or wherever you're listening, just to sit back and so, sort of picture what I'm going to be telling you. We're going to be going back in time to the time of the New Testament. So with that, let me introduce to you the scribe. Shalom. I am a scribe. My name is not recorded in the Bible. But uh, my story does appear in the book of Matthew. Now, first of all, you must understand what a scribe is. Um, what is a scribe, you ask? Well, in New Testament times, scribes are, are actually scholars. We are scholars who often worked in or around the temple and in many synagogues. My main job as a scribe in Jerusalem was to copy the Holy Scriptures. Uh, I mean, I would make new copies of the scrolls of God's Word. I hear today that you can put a, a copy of the Word of God on a large box and push some buttons and lights come on and it makes as many copies as you wish. This is so truly amazing to me. Because in my day, I would sit on a chair with an original copy of the scripture in front of me, and I would make a new one, copying one letter at a time. Yes, one letter at a time. We were not allowed to, to copy whole sentences from memory because that could cause errors. We had to do it in special ways, even when we had special rules for copying the Word of God, like it had to be on a special type of animal skin. The skin had to be a certain length for each book. 
It had to have a certain number of columns and lines that we would put in there. We even had a special a special uh, recipe for making the ink. We just could not go down to the market and buy uh, a bottle of ink or something. Um, and, and these are just a few of the many, many, many rules that we followed in copying the Word of God, because the Word of God is holy, it is power, and to insult um, God would would happen if we if we make a mistake. You understand, to make a mistake, to make an error, we insult the Holy God, and we do not want to do that, so we would be very, very careful as to doing our work. Now, as I said, I spent most of my life studying the Word of God. Um, I had it mostly memorized. I mean, you sit and copy it, and this is your profession. Well, day after day, you sit and do this. Um, you get to memorize books after a while. Yes, entire books. And because we scribes, uh, we had memorized uh, the law of God, the word of God, people would often ask us where something is found in Holy Scripture, um, where they might ask us to come and give them a quote of an exact passage. Today, I understand you have something called a concordance that lists all of the words and where they are found. That's amazing. We had no such tools as, as you have today. Um, no, um, we would uh, memorize the scripture as we would also uh, make copies of it. Now, because of this, we scholars were often used in law. Um, in helping make decisions in, in court proceedings. Uh, we are sometimes called in some translations uh, experts in uh, Jewish law. For instance, the Gospel of Luke often calls us lawyers because we were used to interpret the Jewish law. Uh, we knew it, and so we would be used for that. Now, as impressive as that may all sound to you. I don't know your background. I, I am guilty. I admit, I am guilty of one of the greatest errors ever in human history. I am so, so ashamed to tell you my story, but I will tell you because I have hope. I have hope, and I pray that you will not make the same mistake that I did. So my story goes back about 2,000 years ago, and it takes place in Jerusalem. The Romans, who are our rulers, our conquerors, and were ruling the land, they placed a man who was not even Jewish, he was an Edomite, but a friend of Augustus Caesar, Herod, Herod the Great, and they placed him as the king over us. Herod was called by Augustus the king of the Jews, and he loved that title, though he was not Jewish, though we would never say such things to his face. There are reasons for that. 
He also called himself the King of Kings. But as the story goes, in these days, he was getting old. And in his short life, to tell you why we are so afraid of him, in his short life as our, as our governor, as our king, I hate to say that, but as our king, he murdered many people. He killed women. He killed children. He killed Pharisees. He killed men. He even killed his own wife. He killed his own children. And many, many scribes and Pharisees who were very, very close friends of mine. Thus, all of us were afraid of this man, Herod. He even at times would go off in rants or whatever. He seemed insane or even, even crazy at times. We were so fearful of this man. I know that there were many praying for his death. <laughs> they hated him so much. But nevertheless, Jerusalem, even under Herod, it was an exciting place to be back at this time. And the main talk of the day was the coming of the Messiah. Mashiach was to come. And we were all expecting him. Prophecies um, we had been studying were starting to come true, and we were all expecting him, the Son of God, to soon appear and give us peace. And that would be very welcome from what Herod was giving us. Now, on one certain day, I want to tell you, I was working in the temple as usual. I was making a copy of the Word of God as what I did as a profession. On this day, though, I heard a very, very great commotion outside in the temple court. I got up from my work and rushed over to see what was going on outside. There, outside the gates, I could see a few Roman guards standing just outside the temple gate. And they were talking with the high priest. His name is Yozar. They were having some discussion. And I just sort of stood there listening, uh, wondering what they were talking about. It was too far to hear, too far away, wondering what this was, was all about. And I remember that just a few days prior, there was the arrival of a group of magi from the eastern country near Babylon. And I wondered if this had something to do with that. I heard that Herod was actually entertaining these magi and that they were here looking for something. But what they were looking for, why they were here, I, I did not know. I did not spend time around Herod's palace. Well, as I stood there watching this, the high priest, Yozar, he waved to me in a way asking me to come over to where he was. I walked over and uh, he said that I and a few others were being summoned to the king's palace to meet with King Herod. I must admit, a chill of fear ran down my spine as we slowly walked with the Romans across the city to Herod's palace. A few other scribes were pulled along with us, some of my colleagues, and we were very fearful. 
because we were going into Herod's palace. Once inside, we were brought right before Herod, who was obviously upset about something. Now, we all knew when Herod was upset, this is when he is the most dangerous. And as I said, he had already murdered many of my fellow scribes and Pharisees, actually having them crucified. So when Herod wasn't upset, <laughs> everyone everywhere was upset and fearful. He raved like a madman there in front of us, trying to figure out what he's talking about. He wasn't talking to us directly. He was just, just raving along about another king being born here in Israel who was going to be called the king of the Jews. Well, I... As Herod said this, I realized that's the title Herod actually uses for himself. And Herod is not the kind of man that likes to share titles. No. As me and my colleagues, we all listened, very silent, we heard Herod speaking more that these magi that came from the east were searching for a child who had been born a king. They had told Herod that they had seen a star in the night sky that appeared, meaning that the Son of God had been born. These magi, who had access, obviously, to many of our holy scriptures, such as the book of Daniel, book of Isaiah, and others, they knew that the Messiah had been born, but they were missing one thing. They did not know where he was to be born, where he had been born and where he was. So they had come to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, expecting to find him in around the palace. But that was not the right place. No. Now, Herod was very polite to the Magi, but Deep inside, he was filled with a jealous anger. But that sly fox told the Magi that he would find out from scribes where the Messiah was to be born, and then he would tell them. Herod also told them that when they find the child, they were to come back to him, tell him, so that he might go and worship him too. Now, we scribes all knew, and practically mostly everyone probably in the, in the palace knew that Herod was going to kill this child, this rival for the throne, if he possibly could. That is how I found myself in the presence of Herod on this day. He had summoned us to find the answer to where the Messiah, Meshach, would be born. So, as he told us this, we took a few steps back, my colleagues and I, and we quietly discussed it. We got together in a group, and I said, since I was the oldest of them, I said, well, the answer to this, my friends, is very, very easy. Micah, the prophet, wrote about the birth 
the birthplace of the Messiah. And another of the scribes said, yes, because he wrote, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. I said, yes, that is it. We all nodded. It is Bethlehem is what Herod is seeking. So who's going to tell him? And they all pointed their finger directly at me and say, you, you go tell him. Well, I was the oldest of them, so I did. I stepped forward and I said to Herod, Your Majesty, Bethlehem is the answer for which you seek. Thinking some reprisal might come, Herod immediately just repeated, Bethlehem. I nodded and he got up and walked out. He went on his way to inform the Magi. I turned around and looked at my colleagues. We all quickly left the palace and walked back to the temple as fast as we could. On the way, though, we stopped about halfway and talked about what we had just heard, that the Messiah, Meshach, was being born, that he actually had been born, as the Magi said, that he had been born. And as I said, this was the talk of the town. Everyone was talking about the time and the coming of the Messiah. Now, being a scribe, I then began to quote some of the other holy scriptures to my colleagues. And they, too, quoted back passages that we have studied and copied. Passages from, say, like uh, Isaiah who wrote that he would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and that his kingdom will see no end. Another said, oh, and, and, oh remember how he would, uh, Isaiah said he will be a, a, a healing Messiah. Uh, I said, yes, Zechariah wrote that he would remove the sin of, of the people in a single day, and that he would be the savior of man. We talked more, and we thought, let's get back to the temple. And as we walked back, we grew a little quiet. Then just before we arrived, one of my fellow scribes turned, grabbed my arm, and politely asked me if I thought, being the oldest, if we should accompany the Magi to Bethlehem to find the child and worship him. I paused, stroking my beard and looking up into the sky, thinking the positives and the negatives of this. I knew what was happening, but I said to my friends, no, no, I will not go. You can go if you wish, but I will not go. One other said, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. And another said, if you're not going, I'm not going either. I said, I guess none of us are going. And we all did not do it for a number of reasons, most of which was we were afraid of Herod.
We knew Herod would kill this child. And if he heard of our going, he would most likely kill us. I did not want to be crucified by Herod. So I did not go. Besides, I told myself I have much to do back at the temple, much work. I'm so far behind in my work. No, I did not go. I missed the most wonderful announcement in human history. I missed seeing this Messiah in the town where he was born. I miss Christmas. Why was I afraid of Herod? Well, is that why I did not go? Well, that was partially, but I also went, did not go for another reason. To be honest, I was really not that concerned about it. I had a lot of work to do serving God as a scribe. I really did not think I needed a savior. I really didn't care. Why? Because though this was the fulfilling of holy scriptures that I had copied almost all my life, I didn't think I needed a Messiah. After all, I was a scribe. I worked for God. I didn't need a Savior. I was all right without a Messiah. Me? needing my sins to be forgiven? I am a scribe. I don't need to be forgiven. I can quote the entire Old Testament. I, I did not need a savior, I thought. I'm not sinful like those shepherds outside the city gates over on the hills there, or like the beggars that we were passing as we were walking back to the temple. I'm not like that. Oh, today, oh, how I wish I could go back and change the past. I missed Christmas. Why? Out of fear, yes. Fear of what others would think. But I was also too busy, too busy with my work. And I was so occupied with my pride, my own self-righteousness my independence and trying to keep the law that I had no room in my heart for this Messiah. I hate to admit this, but there's more to the story. Later, when this Messiah named Jesus began his ministry, I hated him. Yes, I hated him. I actually heard and sometimes saw him fulfilling scriptures, but I hated him. He was so popular with the people. I was one of those that even helped plot his murder. Though I was 30 years older now, I was there screaming for his blood on the day they crucified him. I didn't want him. I thought I didn't need him. 
Oh, my heart is so heavy now. Beloved, please listen to me. Please listen to me now. Don't make the same mistake I did. You will regret it in the end. For me, it is too late. But if you are hearing this, it is not too late for you. Shalom. And thank you for letting me tell you my story. Well, today, there are many people who miss Christmas. Actually, for some of the same reasons that the scribe did. They ignore Christ because they don't know that they're sinful. They don't care about a Savior because they don't understand that they need to be saved. They don't understand that the wages of sin is death, that, that sin sends people into an eternal hell. They don't understand that. So, consequently, they ignore the remedy to the illness that they have, which is the disease of sin, which all mankind has. Beloved, do you know Jesus, the Messiah, your Savior? Do you know him? Can you find room for him in your heart today? Can you go into this Christmas season now knowing without any doubt that he truly is alive and that he is your Savior? I mean, all you got to do is just tell him that you're sorry for your sins and your shortcomings, that you are a sinner and that you deserve death. I ask you to come to him now and ask him to forgive you. Believe in him. The word believe here is the word peshtuo in Greek, which means to put your trust and commit your life to him. That's what you do. Ask for his forgiveness. Repent of your sins. And he will save you if you trust and commit your life to him. I hope you don't miss this Christmas. And I hope that this Christmas will be the most joyous Christmas you will ever have particularly if you did not know Jesus before this and you've just come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I would ask that you contact us here at Evidence for Faith. We would love to hear that from you and also to help you get started in the right direction by, by giving you some guidelines and things and, and helping you get established in your relationship. But if you already are Christians, I hope that you'll pass this lesson on. Uh, listening to the scribe tell his story might be a nice little um, passage to, to even listen to on Christmas Day with, with kids or at nighttime on Christmas Eve or something. Um, we just ask that you share it, and also uh, we would ask that you please um, help us in our ministry. We have so many things that we, we need to, uh, so many bills we need to pay and salaries we need to pay. We're a, a non-for-profit um, ministry, and we, we really need your help. If you can help us at all, we greatly appreciate it. It is all tax deductible. It is, uh, we are a non-for-profit ministry and we survive. We don't charge for any of our services. Uh, we'd have no set speaking fees or anything. We just, uh, even to subscribe to our website, there's no fees for this. Um, I'm not gonna charge for the word of God as long as I, as long as I possibly can. I never wanna do that. I don't wanna make people pay to come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, 
would ask if you if you can if it if the Lord leads you to pray for us, but also if you could help us financially, you can go to our website um, and and find out ways to help us. But as I leave you, I hope that this little Christmas story touches you in a in a new way. And may you have the most glorious and happy Christmas that you've ever had. May God truly bless you and keep you safe. Until we meet again, take care and God bless. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.